So a very warm welcome to those who are with us for the first time. Um, trust that you will enjoy your time with us today. Um, there are some lovely people around you. Some jokes. Everyone is really lovely, even Matt. I couldn't. It's my first preacher of the year, and I have to mention that. Lord, this is a year of self-control, Matt. The Lord will grow me in self-control. Um, but really excited to have you with us. And for those, like I said, who we haven't seen your faces for a while, wonderful to be together. Uh, today we're going to be kicking off the year looking at seeking God. Seeking God. I think uh, there are many things we could preach on this morning and the scriptures are filled with great and mighty things. But I think as we endeavor to figure out what the Lord has for us as a church, has for you as a family, the best place to start is not to look at our bank statements. The best place to look is the person of Jesus. And to say, God, what do you have for me? What do you have for us? Because we can busy our year with doing great ministry work and changing the world. But if Jesus hasn't called us to do that stuff, it's going to be counted as rubbish. And so when he brings his fiery flames of holiness and we present before him, Lord, look at this amazing ministry I had. And it all burns up and we're standing empty-handed. It's going to be embarrassing. We would rather be there having our hands filled of obedience that we have lived this life with, with before the Lord. And so I, I am desperate for us to hear what God is saying to us, what God is saying to you, uh, and for us to find that space to walk in obedience this year. Jesus says, those who love me, obey me. Not have rocking and rolling ministries. Those who love me, obey me. And so it is for us to set our hearts and our minds to seek God for this year. And so we see that the Lord looks down from heaven in Psalm 14 on humankind to see if there are any who are wise. And he fills that out by saying, who seek after God. That is what it means to be wise. Psalm 14, the Lord looks down from heaven on humankind to see if there are any who are wise who seek after God. And so uh, sometime this year, we're going to be uh, preaching through Daniel, the book of Daniel, which is absolutely amazing. And the one thing we're going to see about Daniel is that he is a man who seeks after God. He's incredibly wise. Uh, God gifted him with intelligence. God gifted him with discernment. But the actual narrative of his life is one of seeking God out desperately for everything that happens in his life. And I want to be that person. Yes, do you? I mean, I really would like to just get on with my life and make it rock and roll, but the wisdom that we're going to live this life with is one where we are constantly seeking God. And you can take it down to whatever degree you want. I know uh, people will often say, you know, I don't think that you need to ask the Lord whether you should brush your hair this morning. But I do think that we perhaps don't go enough to God on the things of our lives. And so... Maybe we don't ask him if we should brush our hair in the morning. Maybe we should ask him whether we should shave. And listen, by the way, this beard is only here because of the last three times I've tried to sh shave, I did not check our load shedding. And so that's why this is here, but the next time you see me, it should be gone. But do we seek God, not just about whether we should shave or not, but what our lives should be about? God, what are you asking me to focus on today? What are you asking me to focus on this year? What are you asking my family to busy themselves with this month? Do we do that? Or do we kind of just, God is sovereign, you know, he'll just lead my life where it should go. There is truth in that. But he does also say, those who are wise, seek after me. And so that could be our encouragement for this year, to be a people who are desperately seeking after God in all things. We're going to be a wise people. 
And that I desire for us, to be a wise people who seek after God. And the beauty about it is the comfort that Jesus brings to us when he says, whenever you pray, go into your room and shut the door, pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Our seeking after God and our prayer is not just into the big wide open. It's actually into the ear of the living God. And when we pray, he presences himself with us and he hears us and he rewards us in the secret. And we may have many reasons why we uh, kind of just throw a whisper of a prayer to God, right? It's like, ah, oh, God knows my heart. Yes, he knows what I desire. He'll just make it happen. But there may be many reasons in our lives that that has brought us to that place. And maybe it's you've been praying for something for many years and God hasn't answered. Yes, any of us? And so maybe we've come to the place of going, you know what, God doesn't actually answer prayers. The seeking him thing, we'll leave that to the holy, hide holy hands and let them see God. We'll leave that to the prophets because they're the ones who seek God. We'll leave that to the regis who hear from God in strange voices. But perhaps your life experience is something that's happened that has caused you to come to a place of going, actually, maybe the seeking God thing is for other people. And I want to encourage you afresh this year to be a person who desperately seeks after God. Do you want to be wise with your year? Then seek after God. He looks from heaven to see for those who are seeking God after him. And it is comforting for us to know that when we do seek him, that he rewards us. Yes? Do you honestly believe that? Do you? Because it's a question that's going to impact whether we truly seek God and what we expect from him. It's really about expectation or biblical term is faith. Those who seek God, those who want to approach God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those, right, who diligently seek him. He does. But we have to believe it. That they would search for God and perhaps grope for him and find him, the writer of Acts writes, and to realize that actually he's not very far from us. God is right with us. The problem is not God being present, it's us being present. And these devices of ours, stealing our present awareness of God, because we're everywhere else all over the world at any given time, what is God calling you to this year to find yourself seeking him, to find yourself on your knees before him, turning to him? And turning to God is not complicated. I think that's our thing. Oh, what does it mean to see God? We need our five steps. You know what he's like? Be a child. Come to me. I'm your dad. He doesn't make this thing complicated. But we like to complicate it that we can excuse ourselves for not going to him. God didn't speak, so I'm just going to do this endeavor anyway. I did pray, but God didn't answer, so I'm just going to do it anyway. Or do we diligently seek him? Do we find ourselves on our knees? And why is it that we have to wait for life circumstance to get to a level that drives us on our knees? Why don't we just do that before life circumstance causes that? If you look through the Old Testament and uh, particularly the, the minor prophets, you'll see that much of the trouble that comes upon Israel is because of what? Because they turned from God, right? So out of his kindness, God brings calamity on our lives to get us to turn back to him. What if we just stay turning to him? We could like do away with all those 40 years of going around the same mountain. But yes, we're human. And so our natural tendency is away from the Lord. That sin that so easily entangles us and lives inside of our bones through Adam. But God is saying, you know what? I am your dad. 
And whether you have a great example of a father or not, when we think of God, he is the perfect example of a father. And so he's drawing us back to him, saying, come and seek me this year. If you want to be wise this year, struggling with your finances, if you want to grow in wisdom with your finances, come and seek me. Struggling with your marriage, you need wisdom in your marriage. Marriage courses help. Marriage enriching couples help. But he says, come and seek me. And God will, most often, direct us to other people within our community because that's one of his incredibly kind and gracious gifts to us, fellow believers, who are doing well in particular areas, who've sought the Lord and are wise, and God directs us to them. So God, what are you saying to me? How are you drawing me to seek you this year? What do I need to put away, Lord? What is stealing my time that's causing me to fill my mind and my thoughts with everything else other than you? Don't grow tired of seeking the Lord. Don't grow tired of waiting upon the Lord. That's a phrase in the scriptures that we don't like, right? Wait upon the Lord. And all those horrible verses about patience. It's like, come on, Lord, we're an instant generation. Just give us stuff. Answer our prayers. But God says those who diligently seek him will find him. May we be a people who diligently seek the Lord this year. The psalmists continue to encourage us in Psalm 9. And those who know your name put their trust in you. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. God does not forsake us when we seek him. Even when he doesn't give us the answers that we want. And I imagine we will approach the Lord one day and he's going to show us a video clip of all the things that would have happened in our lives if he'd answered our prayers the way we wanted them. I think out of his goodness and kindness, he withholds many prayers from our lives until our prayers fall more and more into line with the way Jesus has taught us to pray, right? Your will be done, not mine. Your will, God. And so we see that in Jesus' life itself, where he doesn't want to face death on our behalf. He wants to, but he doesn't want to, because he knows the genuine struggle and heartache and hurt that's going to come upon him. He says, God, is there not another way? Come, we are infinite here. Surely there are infinite options here. We are wise. We can come up with another way. But then how does he end that? But not my will. Your will be done. And then faces the cross with the joy set before him, seeing your face and seeing my face. Going, God, this is worth it. As much as I don't want to do this, Father, your will be done. And his will is that you and I would be sitting together like this. Praising his name, seeking him out because of that work on the cross that Jesus did on our behalf. And so if Jesus got his way there, God, is there not another way? And God's like, actually, I've found another way. Jesus could have escaped. But we would not be sitting here worshiping him, becoming his people as we read this morning. The Gentiles now praising the name of God. We're the Gentiles now able to praise and find a savior in Jesus as the Jews did in the early days. And so God... Help us to not be those who forsake you, who continue to seek you, that God may answer us and lead us and give us his wisdom this year. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Isn't that what God's calling us to this year? To rejoice in him. If you found that maybe you've walked with the Lord and that kind of joy has left the building. For some of us, we have moments of that. God's wanting us to be a joyful people. Not all ones on the Enneagram where everything's so like, and I'm a one, so 
I'm dissing myself here. But to find the joy of the Lord, like the sevens, I don't know, who are, who are they? Who are the joyful ones? God wants that joy to supersede Enneagram, to be in our lives for those who seek the Lord. Glory in His holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice, that our hearts would rejoice. Not just laughing because it's funny, but that there would be a true joy in our hearts. Do you not want that for your walk with the Lord this year? I do. Even if you don't, I do, and I'm going to be praying that for you. That the joy of the Lord would be in your walk with Him. We can get pretty bookish, right? Even about the Bible, like the Pharisees. We know. Anyone here know that we shouldn't be committing ourselves to reading this this year? Anyone? We know it, right? But we look at it and it's like, whoa, there's a little bit of hard work going on in there. And yes, there is. But the joy of this book, as Jesus says, is that it leads you to him. That's the point of this. Why do I read my scriptures? Not that I can outquote Matt, and I probably can't. No, you see, I can't. He shakes his head. I can't. There was a guy that we knew who would come to prayer meetings, and he'd be praying, and as he's praying, he would just quote these scriptures and their references. I'm just like, Lord, I'm just, not, I'm just not worthy. Some people just have those brains, right? For the rest of us, it's hard graft. We have to work through this book, but it's not for the point of being able to quote those scriptures. It's to come to find the person of Jesus. And in his presence is the fullness of joy. There's that person, surely at least one person in your life. When you met them and they entered the presence, something in your heart leapt, right? That's what Jesus is wanting from us. When we engage with him, that some joy leaps in our hearts. It's not, oh, Lord, I've got to follow you this year. No, it's supposed to be a joy. As much as he enjoys us coming into his presence, and that's the irony of it, right? We try to get into his presence and we mumble and grumble and work our way there, and he's just so stoked to have us there. And as we seek God this year, may that be the tone of our seeking him. Joy from his presence, that our hearts would rejoice as we seek his presence. And, it, and he adds another word there, continually. That we would see God continually. Yes, it's important for us to have fixed hours and to begin to set rhythms into our lives, to break bad habits and to set up new, new habits. But God's actual purpose is better than if the person of Jesus was here that we can only really be in his presence when we get to him. He says, it's better that I should go to be with the Father because I will send you the Holy Spirit. Which means that we can actually now be in his presence continually by the Holy Spirit. And so even as you're having a conversation with someone and you're sensing that God is maybe wanting to turn that conversation a bit, you don't have to be like, just hold on a second, run off to a room, go hide yourself and go and pray. But it's actually while you're there in the presence of God, going, God, we're having a conversation here. How can I glorify your name? How can I bring you up in this conversation? How can I talk about you? How can I encourage this brother or sister? Continually seeking the wisdom and the presence of God, wherever it is. And when you have those, I don't know about, maybe it's just us, those difficult parenting moments. You want to just stop, right? Lord, where's the pause button that I can go and get some wise counsel? God's going, your wise counsel is right here. Seek me in that moment. Seek my counsel and wisdom. And yes, afterwards, we can go to a brother or a sister and say, this happened, help, what do I do? 
But in that moment, you have the ultimate wisdom and creativity and understanding. And the person who fully understands your child and fully understands you at your beck and call. Not as a servant, we're the servants, but as our master and father who lovingly wants to guide us and lead us. Do we still believe that? That God is accessible continually? Or when we pick up that phone to do another sales pitch, that God leaves the room? Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. Or is he actually with us in that conversation? Have you stopped believing that? That Jesus is with you every single moment, if you will turn to him and trust that he is there. What about through our suffering? Handful of sufferers this year, right? Within liberty. Marcus? You're still here. The Lord has work for you, mate. But in those moments when you can't leave the hospital bed, is Jesus there or is he only here when we meet on a Sunday? Of course he's there. And in fact, probably closer. Do we believe that in those moments God is there, but then also do we only believe that in those moments God is there? Do we have to be bound to a hospital bed? Surely not. When we gather on a Wednesday, midweek, whenever your life group meets, God is there. When you have a family gathering in the morning around the word and praying for one another, God is there. When you walk into your office door and go, Jesus, I don't know why you have me here, but here I am for another day, Lord. He is there. And wants you to be a light of the gospel to your workplace. Not you, Justina. The Lord is everywhere. Do we truly believe that? And can we, can we walk this year? knowing that he is right alongside us, wanting the very best for us. Yes, but I sinned this week. I don't care. I honestly don't care. The Lord is right near you. And in fact, probably closer. Yeah, but I have no spiritual gifts. You do. And the Lord is right near you because in your weakness, he is made strong. In your suffering, the great sufferer, Jesus in Christ, draws near to you. The moment you think you are least worthy of the presence of God, He is most nearer to you. He truly is. And I want to encourage all of us this year to find that courage and faith and strength to turn to Him in every single moment. Not waiting for Sundays. Let this be a moment that encourages us and lifts our hope and time for us to fellowship together. We'll take communion afterwards as well. But may these be moments that fire up your awareness of seeking God every single moment throughout the week. And some of our jobs are hard. We really struggle to see the Lord. But He is near to you. May we be those who are ever mindful of the presence of God this year. Even if that's the one kind of theme for yourself this year. Ever aware of the presence of God and seeking His wisdom. God wants people like that, you know, ever seeking after him. But we get into a place, and I have many times in my life as well, where I'm like, God's not hearing me. He's hearing everybody else. Why does that person pray? And he gets what he wants. Lord, where are you? He has not left you. He has not forsaken you. He knows what is best for you. Like a loving father, would you 
If your child asked you for something that you knew was bad for them, would you give it to them? Of course not. But you wouldn't leave them. You'd protect them. You'd stay there with them. And that's what God's call for us is this year, to find ourselves like children again, going to dad, not having this overly complicated, we've got to do these 10 steps to get into his presence, and voila, like a genie. Jesus did all that hard work, broke, tore that curtain. What do we do? Sew the stupid thing back together. Oh, look, the curtain's back. No, it's not. We put it back. Jesus ripped that curtain open that we may have access to the presence of God freely. Who are we to deny ourselves of that great gift? Who are we to say, Jesus, that wasn't enough? I'm sure there's something I've got to add to that. Jesus is saying, it's enough of that. Let me rip this thing open for you that you can access the Father like I access him. No longer do you have to be perfect because I was perfect. But enter into my perfection. Faith in Jesus and through that have full access to the Father. Nothing can happen to you in the secret place that he doesn't specifically allow for in his higher purposes. As already stated, some Christians become offended by the increased warfare they encounter when they devote themselves to the secret place. Have you noticed that? Devote yourself to the Lord, find yourself walking more, and things seem to get harder. It is in this offense that I think may be referred to in Psalm 91. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near to you. Those at your side are your fellow warriors. They get offended that God would allow such calamity to hit their lives after they've been so faithful. Even if a thousand of your comrades fall to calamity and never uncover God's resurrection power, but take God's promises to the grave, it shall not be so with you. Even if 10,000 of your fellow believers are not delivered, he shall be your deliverer. Psalm 91 must be seen as directed not at all believers, but as a very specific kind of believer, the one who abides in the secret place of the Almighty. Thousands of believers may fall to this or that, but it will not come near you because you have learned to abide. The closer we draw to the Lord in intimacy, the more real the warfare will be to encounter. Bob Sorge. It doesn't mean that as we seek God, things are going to get easier. And on the contrary, it sometimes seems that things are getting harder. Because God seeks for those who are seeking Him. God walks closely with those who are seeking Him. But so does the devil, right? God comes to the devil and says, look at Job. Job is happily serving the Lord, loving his life. And God's like, look how faithful my servant Job is. What does the devil say? Yeah, but it's because everything's going well with him. Let me bring some calamity on him and let's see what happens. And what happens? He stays faithful to God. He stays faithful to God. God knowing that his servant would not turn his back on him. But it allowed him to grow and mature in his faith through calamity. And unfortunately, that's what scripture says, right? It is through persecution, troubled times, through difficulty that we will be sanctified and made more and more into the image of Jesus. I wish it said through prosperity. I wish it said through an easy life. But we are creatures of comfort. The moment we enter into spaces of comfort, we turn our backs on God. Why? Because we have our new gods ready to supply all our needs. And so sometimes it is the kindness of God to bring trouble into our lives and to allow it into our lives 
Because he knows whether our eyes are on him or not. And it is out of his kindness and love for us that he would keep us with him. Keep our eyes set on him. Would you pray? God, allow anything into my life this year that will ensure I keep my eyes on you. Yes? No? We want the end, right? But the process, not so much. Could we pray that? Lord, whatever is required to be in our lives this year, to keep our eyes seeking after you, Lord, would you allow it? But Lord, we know that you will not leave us nor forsake us, but that you will be with us. May we be a people who don't need calamity, Lord. Would we be a people like Jesus, who are faithful to you, who love you and have perfect faith in you, but also say, God, Take this cup from me, but not my will, but your will be done. I think it's a prayer worth praying. Because at the end, we're going to look back and not really be too concerned about this whisper of a life that was difficult. This little smoke trail compared to an eternity that we have in the presence of God. It's going to be worth it to be a people who seek after him. And I look forward to the day in eternity. When it's not so hard to seek him anymore, right? When he is the bright light. We don't need a sun anymore. No more sunblock. Jesus himself, the light. It's going to be awesome. But there are still years until we get there. There are still years until we get there. So what does it require to seek God? Number one, humility. It takes humility to seek God. And I think that is our biggest preventer. Of seeking God. We think we've got it. Lord has gifted me with wisdom and discernment. I think I've got this one covered. Just seem to have a natural knack in parenting. I don't need the Lord. I've got this one covered. And that comes down to anything. Your workplace. You know, I've mastered this thing. I've been in this line of work for 30 years. I don't need the Lord. Got this thing mastered. Humility says, actually, you know what, Lord? Even if I've been doing this for 30 years, I still need you today. Even if I've been parenting for 30 years, Lord, I still need you today. Help me. God, would you make us a people of humility to acknowledge that it is by God's hand that wisdom comes. Not us. We are not the all-knowing. We are not the all-sufficient. Jesus is. 2 Chronicles is a verse talking about someone specific. It's irrelevant to who it is, but it says, He did evil, for he did not set his heart to seek the Lord. That is why he did evil. Because he did not set his heart to seek the Lord. Because God leads us into the very best things for us and for his kingdom and for his glory. But we can still do great and mighty things on earth, yes? Without God, we can. Because his gifts given to us are irrevocable. He doesn't take them back. Which sometimes is very annoying because if your gift didn't operate, it would be really helpful, right? Lord, there's something not going right here. Like, what's going on in my life? But he's such a kind father that when he gives a gift, you will still operate that gift even if you dismiss the Lord. And so our fruitfulness in our life is not always a good sign of how we're doing with God. We end up depending upon our own gifts. We end up depending upon our own strengths and our own how great we are. Because God seems to just keep allowing that gift to operate. But if we surround ourselves with the body of believers who go, listen, about that, 
I know you're doing really well, but there seems to be just a little level of arrogance, a little bit of pride coming in there. What do we say? Definitely not. Eh? Definitely not me. But what if we truly opened our hearts to God and said, Lord, if, would you speak to us through your community this year? Speak to us through your word. Speak to us through your spirit as we find ourselves in prayer. But speak to us through this community. Are we truly submitted to one another? Are we? Do you truly allow anyone in this community to speak into your life and for you to actually just take a moment and go, oof, maybe they're right? Or are we just like, well, you know, I've been serving the Lord for how many years, Philip? 120 years? He's <laughs> got your back. Do we serve him for that long? You go, you know what, I've been serving the Lord long enough now. I think I've got this covered. I don't think you can speak into my life. Philip is probably one of the most humble followers of Jesus I know. Honestly. He'll come to me after a preach every once in a while and say, you know, that thing that, thing that you said there really impacted me and I really need to make an adjustment in my life. I'm like, what? Incredibly humble man who constantly wants to grow in the Lord. Can we remain with that heart posture this year of humility? That when we are seeking the Lord, that even that doesn't become our little, what's this thing called? Idol. Yeah, I was thinking of another one. Trophy. Trophy. Does it become our little trophy? And I've spent quiet time this year. It's been very good. This last two weeks has been amazing. It's my little trophy. Lord must be hearing me. No, he opposes the proud. But he gives grace to the humble. Oh, Lord, would you keep us a humble people this year, Lord? We want to be a people who seek you. And while this, Lord, isn't so much a taking of your scripture and trying to expound it into a step-by-step process, Lord, what it is, is a call of our hearts to find ourselves surrendered to you again. Lord, for those of us who have struggled with seeking you, perhaps we've sought something from you and our prayers, we feel, haven't been answered Perhaps we've actually only really just half sought you, Lord, kind of thrown up a whisper of a prayer. And we know that even in your kindness, you do sometimes answer those prayers. Would we be a people who are found on our knees this year, Lord, humbly seeking after you? Would we be a people who are found in your scriptures? Would your word change us? Would it transform us? Would it take us to the person of Jesus? And Lord, would we be a community who submit ourselves to one another. None of us too gifted to hear from anyone else. None of us too mature to hear from anyone else. But we know that as the body comes together, that your spirit presences himself with us. And so you can speak through all of us. And Lord, it's not always going to sound good to us. It's not always going to come to us in the way that we like to receive communication. But you are going to speak to our hearts if we will be open to you. God, make us a people this year who seek you. Whatever habits and practices we need to put in place, whatever we need to take out of our lives to find time with you, whatever adjustments we need to make, God, would we be a people who are like sons and daughters who would run into your office, even amidst your meeting, jump onto your lap and just say, Dad, we are here. We want to speak with you. We want to be with you. Come and speak to us. We need wisdom. We need understanding. We want to be a people who believe that you exist and that you reward those who diligently seek you. 
for all of us here, God, would you help us to find a space in this body this year to commit our gifts? We know that your spirit moves powerfully through your people as we operate in your gifts, which you have given us. Paul said he doesn't want us to be uninformed about the spiritual gifts, and so we don't want to be uninformed, Lord. We want to operate. We want to live out your gifts for the building up of this body. That the head, Jesus, would be lifted higher and higher. Be made famous through us this year, Lord. For some of us, there are people who do not know you that we need to engage with and speak with. God, would you strengthen us? Would you make those opportunities? For some of us, we are given the gifts to build up the body. Lord, would you strengthen us? Would you give us the wisdom? Would you lead us as we seek you? Every gift in this body, Lord, would it be found seeking you this year for guidance, for strength, for anointing, for wisdom, for strategy, for that smile upon your face as your body operates in faith and in love, learning to love you, learning to love one another, taking your love out to a broken world. And Lord, as we commit ourselves to seeking you this year, we start that off by having communion, Lord, celebrating your body that was broken for us. That gateway that opened up for us the ability to seek the Father without hindrance. Lord, you have been incredibly kind to us. You've been incredibly good to us. May we not neglect that great gift which you have given us, the ability to seek the Father. And so as we take this communion together, Lord, would it bring glory to your name. With the joy of your spirit and your presence be birthed in our hearts. Thank you that you are so good to us. Thank you that you are so faithful to us. We are your people who want to live for your glory. And so help us to do that, we ask, in your precious name. Amen. Amen. Communion at the back there. Um, Shane, Lyndon, thank you for your mighty gifts that you brought to us. You'll see the beautifully crafted wooden boxes uh, or trays, uh, which those things are in. Even that, honestly, is a gift to us as a body and brings glory to Jesus. So would you each... Go up, go grab uh, juice and bread, find a family member or someone who's sitting by themselves and just commit yourself and your year to the Lord. Cool, as the last few people are finishing up praying there, just thank you for this morning. Um, super excited for a year of seeking God together and seeing what He has to say. Uh, and so even as you do seek God through the week, I do want to encourage you if you do feel like you've heard something from God for us as a community, please message me, message Justine, uh, message your life group leader, uh, or come and speak to me on the Sunday. We'd really love to hear what God is saying to us as a community, through us as a community. Amen. You have the courage to do that. Good. Have a lucky day.